What's up, everybody? Hardest part of the ring is back. Another day, another apron bump, and great googly moogly do we have a special one for you today. TNA Final Resolution 2005. That's right, 2005, the first pay-per-view of the year for TNA, the third three-hour pay-per-view overall for TNA. So uh, definitely some early stages, definitely some uh, some throwbacks, time capsule, whatever whatever term you want to use. That's what we got for you today. Uh, this show takes place on January sixteenth, two thousand five, from the Impact Zone. The Impact Zone, and today we have Nathan from Wrestle Addict Radio on to join me and talking about this show and we have a good old time uh you can check out wrestle addict radio uh which is basically um an umbrella that encompasses several different podcasts uh nathan specifically is the game changer podcast and check that out he talks about wrestling obviously but also uh pop culture and other forms of entertainment video games and all that Uh, i got a chance to listen to it and it's definitely an entertaining time um, and if you haven't gathered yet, um, if you're a longtime listener, I only reach out to guys that have fun with their podcast. You know, I'm not here. This isn't a TED talk. This isn't a hard talk. You know, <laughs> we're not we're not trying to inform you. I'm not sitting here with a PowerPoint trying to trying to teach you or trying to uh, talk above you. I'm just trying to get with other people and just have fun talking about wrestling. And that's what this episode today is all about and tna early tna how can you not have fun talking about tna the good the bad uh the very very ugly but everything has uh some entertainment value to it and we just had fun reviewing this show and i had a really great time watching it back because there was so much good shit on this show and i won't uh you know keep this intro too long i have a habit of doing that but um, this is, I should mention that we are fresh off turning points. Um, we saw in that main event where Triple uh, X had to disband because they lost that legendary steel cage match against AMW, which forced Christopher Daniels and Elix Skipper to break up, which lo and behold would be a blessing in disguise because it would unleash Christopher Daniels into the X Division and we're not quite there yet, but the X Division would go on to become one of the biggest things in wrestling at this time. So, and yeah, I mentioned it. The X Division, red hot here. You know, we're transitioning from, you know, they, in, in 2004, they brought in guys like Macho Man. They brought in Johnny B. Bad. They brought in Disco Inferno. A bunch of silly shit they did. And not to say that they didn't continue the silly shit. Not to say they didn't continue to bring in older guys with name value. But they are, you can you can see it, right? If you listen to my Turning Point uh, episode that I did a few weeks ago, and you listen to this one, you'll see the transition because it's less about those older established names and more about TNA focusing on what they offer that nobody else offers, aka the tag division, aka the X division, aka Monty fucking Brown, okay? So TNA is really starting to figure things out. They're really starting to establish their own identity and 
like I said, they're transitioning into that. It's not perfect, but they're figuring it out right before our eyes. So with that, might as well just dive dick first into this. TNA, final result. <laughs> Why? This is needless. TNA, final resolution, 2005, with your boy Nathan from the Game Changer podcast. What's up, man? Hey, how you doing? Good. How you doing? Uh, doing pretty good. I think my voice is coming back now, so I'm happy to feel that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you get into some crazy stuff this weekend? Yeah. Went to a couple wrestling shows, did a wrestling match in a graveyard, quote unquote. Uh, yeah, <laughs> That's well, not the answer I expected. Well, you got to do these things, and especially during this time where we were in the cinematic era of WWE. It's not the craziest thing you've probably ever seen. Right. So, so you're a wrestler then? Uh, trying to get back into it. Basically, it's kind of like a backyard deal in Rockford, but they're slowly starting to get their uh, right r- ring ring gear and all that kind of stuff ready to go. So it, it's going to be a process, but eventually I'm hoping to get back into the ring. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's tough. I actually did. I wrestled myself for a little bit a few years ago um, before I, I hurt my shoulder doing it. And for whatever reason, I just didn't get back into it, but and it's like not really like a any close by schools around here. Um, there's one like an hour away, but um, I, I kind of just weigh like is it worth it or not? But that's all something here, man. They're getting back into it. Yeah, it took about maybe ten years for me to finally get back into the groove of things, but I'm very I'm very happy to see that. And I'm realizing how painful it is to take bumps every now and then. So oh Jesus, dude, the, I. I, I overestimated or I underestimated how tough taking bumps is. It's like <laughs> the most brutal thing in the world. <laughs> but it makes the body stronger or just makes it more painful when you get older. <laughs> it makes it numb. We'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, man. So did you get a chance to to watch Final Resolution? I did get a chance to watch a bit of fi- Final Resolution. Um, it's one of those shows that I look back on now. It's like there's there was a lot of stuff happening here and when the, i mean the eric watts match with um with raven i literally was like is this a guy related to bill watts or something like that or just uh, yeah coincidence oh, okay i did the exact same thing i felt kind of dumb for even googling it because i feel like it's a thing a lot of people know but i, I didn't know either so i can confirm it's bill watts son oh nice um which i mean i mean i guess we'll get into it but um that really explains why he's there because i don't feel like he offers that much but yeah like i said we'll get into it um i'm, I'm recording now by the way just in case you throw any racial epithets out there before you, you're aware <laughs> we're, we're good we're good I, I don't i don't do that kind of shit oh do i have, do i have to hold back on my swearing fuck no okay let cool. it all fly <laughs> um but yeah man we might as well just dive right into it um well first of all thank you for coming on and making time to uh to join me on this. I really enjoy these TNA reviews and it's always good to have somebody to bounce thoughts uh, back and forth with. Yeah. I honestly love the fact that I'm getting a chance to talk to somebody about, you know, the good old fashioned days of TNA as well as just, you know, having fun with it because TNA back in the day was a fun show. A lot of people mm-hmm. seem to have forgotten quite a bit about that, honestly. Yeah, no, exactly. And this is like, almost peak TNA because they're kind of like transitioning out of like uh, the asylum days. And, you know, early on, like even when they first got to the impact zone, they were still like in this funk of trying to be WWE. 
and it almost like resulted in kind of having like a WCW 2001 kind of feel to it. Um, but they're like transitioning out of that. They're not fully out of it, but they're transitioning out of it. But um, yeah, 2005 is probably one of the, the best years of TNA. And, and I think, I think we talked about it a little bit. You said you started watching in like 2006, right? Yeah. It was around the time when uh, destination X was coming around. And I just remember seeing, uh, I see, saw the Dudley boys, Rhino, Christian, and I was mm-hmm. kind of like, okay, this is kind of interesting. Let's see what kind of goes on to that. And I remember renting that pay-per-view and being so impressed with everybody that was a part of that. I mean, even going back to this show and seeing, you know, so many people that you would see become, you know, the legends or the icons of TNA just really shows how far they've come since then, even just like a year, seeing mm-hmm. how far they've come. Yeah. Cause I mean, you got Kurt Angle coming in in 06 and you got Samoa Joe and Christian and Sting, like all those guys you just named. And yeah, it's crazy how much, how much steam they get. Cause they're really like, like I said, they're starting to rev up at this point. And, um, and I, I'm similar to you. I started watching around uh, 2006 or so. I just stumbled upon impact. Like I had never heard of it, but I like, I was flipping through the channels. I might be dating myself, but I was flipping through the channels and uh, I just happened to see the Dudley boys. And I was like, well, I, I didn't, I did not know these guys are still wrestling. And then I kept watching and I see Jeff Hardy and fucking staying. And uh, the, the, I, I see this six sided ring. I'm like, what the hell is that? So it's like, they were doing a lot of stuff that was uh, getting eyes on them at this time. I think it, it took a little getting used to the six side deal, but after a while, it just kind of was one of those things where it was just like a natural instinct to be like, Oh man, they got this. And then when they went to the four side ring, then it was just like, okay, this is, this is weird. Now, now that we're yeah. used to our minds programmed to this deal, now we have to adjust back to the old fashioned, you know, WWE, WCW, whatever uh, wrestling days that they had. It's like, this is, yeah, this is weird. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree. I think the six sided ring, even though, I mean, every every wrestler interview that I've uh, heard or uh, read about the six sided ring, like everybody seems to hate it. I guess it's a little more stiff, um, just awkward. I guess. I mean, you're, you're training in a four sided ring, and then you go and add two other sides to it. It, it completely changes the dynamic. Um, I don't know. What did you think of the six sided ring? Honestly, I enjoyed it. It's one of those things where it creates a different kind of identity for a wrestling promotion it kind of does give you a little bit more freedom to do like certain kind of matches um i mean some people could say like you could still do an ultimate x and a four-sided ring yeah but there's also still that you know two other corner elements where you could even do like you know uh six like six teams on each on a six team match where mm-hmm. In a four-sided ring, you can only get away with like a fatal four-way. So there's a lot more room for people to actually get involved in there. I understand that people are mad about the fact that, you know, they got rid of it. But I also understand, you know, wrestlers are saying, yeah, this is a lot harder than a four-sided ring. So we're kind of glad that it went to went back to the to the basic. But then there's some people who are like, oh, no, I love that. Because when you get – like I said, when we went from that six-sided to four-sided, our minds kind of had to readjust to that. Same thing went for the wrestlers. It's like, well, now we don't have this – extra turnbuckle to go off of. We don't have this extra side to worry to uh, work with. So they had to reprogram their minds to be like, okay, now we got to go from this, this schematic to this schematic now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, it just kind of, it was different. And if if nothing else, I mean, like I just said earlier, I was flipping through the channels and I saw a six sided ring. I'm like, what the hell is that? So if anything, I think it it definitely got him a lot of attention. um, And it definitely gave him an identity as you said, but uh, yeah, man, final resolution. 2005 is what we're here to talk about today. It's the, um, the first pay-per-view 
of 05 uh, takes place in January. And this is fresh off the heels off of Turning Point 2004, which I'm not sure if you're aware um, of that was the pay-per-view that had uh, Elix Skipper walking the cage. Are you aware of that spot? Oh, my gosh. One of the greatest spots in all professional wrestling, not just in TNA. Incredible. Yeah, I mean... I mean, that whole match was amazing, but Turning Point itself was a really good pay-per-view. And I think that really is where they started getting buzz. And I think it's really where they started figuring things out. Like, I hate, it sounds corny, Turning Point was a turning point, but it kind of, it, <laughs> it kind of was because, you know, like I said, they were kind of at a point where they were relying on older names. You know, they have Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, they they brought in Macho Man for a match. They had uh, you know Jeff Hardy, all these guys. And it kind of gave like a WCW, like in its downslope kind of vibe to it. But Turning Point is where I think they began to realize that, okay, the X division, the tag team division, that's where our money is because nobody else is offering this. It's WWE sure as hell isn't, doesn't have a tag team division or anything resembling what the X division has. Because you would see, if you watch that show, I don't know if you've watched that show recently or at all, but um, if you watch it, People don't care about DDP. People don't care about Raven, Disco Inferno, all these <laughs> old relics that they had on the <laughs> show. But you throw out Christopher, um, Chris Sabin and Petey Williams for the X Division title. That was the biggest pop of the night, like the, the most energy the crowd had the entire night. And then you had that legendary cage match in the main event. I think TNA at that point realized, okay, we need to, we need to kind of stray away from trying to be WCW, WWE, and try to have our own identity. And I think Final Resolution kind of continues that. Um, have you have you seen Turning Point 2004? I've seen bits and pieces of Turning Point. I've also seen a lot of the highlight packages that they had showing like the matches and show everything like that. Um, yeah, it's one of those shows that, you know, can be interesting, but also at the same time, it does showcase so much younger talent where in WWE, they definitely did try to rely on some of the, you know, bigger stars and the bigger ones that, you know, had that kind of established name already. So it's kind of like, let's just, mm-hmm. you know, do the safe net deal and just focus, focus on them. Where in TNA, you had guys that went through ring of honor, that went through new Japan, that went through triple uh, a that just were always there to try and make a name for themselves. And honestly, they found a way to make themselves so high up that when you have like that extra star power put in, it's one of those things where it's like, who cares about these guys? We want to see AJ Styles. We want to see Chris Saban. We want to see these guys who we, you know, kind of been groomed to watch and really enjoy. And, you know, the fact of the matter was that they had one of the best main events of all time, that being Triple X versus America's Most Wanted, which, oh yep. my gosh, that. That feud itself was great. And just this was the perfect way to, you know, close that chapter of that feud, but also close the chapter, I guess, for Triple uh, X at the point. Because I think that was the loser had to disband. Yes, that's correct. Man, so much pressure put on that. But it also brings more prestige to, I believe, that was for the NWA tag titles, or was it just a. Uh, I guess um, at the time it was NWA, okay, I believe. Yeah, yeah that, that's a good, actually, it's a good segue into the, uh, the opening match of this show, Final Resolution. Uh, we have three live crew, which is a team of Conan, uh, Ron Killings, aka R Truth, and uh, BG James, aka Road Dog. Uh, it's a six man tag with those three facing Christopher Daniels, Michael Shane, and Kazarian. So, first off, 
a little foreshadowing into SCU here with uh, Daniels and uh, and Kaz teaming. Um, but also, as you said, turning point, Triple X uh, lost that cage match and they were forced to uh, disband. And for anybody who doesn't know, Triple X was a team of Christopher Daniels and Elix Skipper. So this is really where Christopher Daniels starts to break out as a singles competitor, even though he's in a, he's in a tag match, but he's his, he's his own character here. And um, I mean, we all know what he would go on to do in the X division and beyond. So this is really kind of the beginning of Christopher Daniels. Um, but the match itself, um, it was actually a pretty good opener, um, better than I expected. You have uh, three live crew doing their old, all their old shticks. You have Conan getting the mic and doing his thing. Uh, Road Dog doing like the New Age Outlaws thing, but like remixing it a little bit. Um, you know, R Truth, Ageless, um, I guess Ron Killings, whatever whatever his name <laughs> is here. <laughs> I'm, I'm always going to call him R Truth. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, they more than held their own. I guess a, a three younger guys, uh, Michael Shane, who the cousin of Shawn Michaels, and obviously Daniels and Kazarian, who are still going to this day. So really good opener. Um, three live crew ends up winning with like a triple team spinning kick from Ron Killings and uh, gives them the win. Um, what do you think of this match? I thought it was pretty solid. Honestly, it was a really good way to open up the pay-per-view. It was one of those matches that I think if it would have been put in a different spot on the show, it probably wouldn't have gotten as much, you know, uh, the crowd lively as much. Cause I think there's a couple of matches on here that I was kind of more or less disappointed in, but this mm-hmm. was one of those matches where it definitely set the pace of be like, okay, this is TNA. This is total nonstop action. And seeing Conan wrestle, I really get right. to see him wrestle, but this is one of the times where I was like, okay, we're seeing him wrestle. Now. Okay. He's doing pretty damn good. Uh, already, you know, BG James and Ron Killings, these guys already had chemistry in the WWF days. So seeing them just continue to just really live off that chemistry here. And they continued even doing like little, spurts of that throughout uh, TNA where they would just show a little bit of respect and they would be like, Oh, how's rap? They all go and blah, blah. And you do hit the head nail on the head with uh, seeing how, you know, Daniel's career goes from here and seeing the, him and Kazarian uh, eventually find their footing together. And then eventually you'd recruit uh, Scorpio sky to create SCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Shane was one of those guys that I thought he really had potential to be a bit of a star. I think it was just finding his right footing where he probably struggled just a little bit because he, he definitely had the look. He had quite a bit of the moves. I think it was just finding the right thing to work with him. That really kind of hurt him a little bit, but mm-hmm. no, I honestly loved this matchup. I loved the action you see from, you know, three live crew, which I keep forgetting that this is a thing where you literally have yeah. <laughs> three different people from three different races, all banding together just because they can really. But right. I, I, I love the three life crew deal. I liked this matchup. It was a great opener. Uh, it definitely does kind of set the pace a little bit for what we expect for the rest of the night. Yeah, agreed. I think this match would have been better had they c- came out to get rowdy. <laughs> that <would've been laughs> awesome. But, you know, it's, it's whatever. It's whatever. I'll, I'll let it slide this time. <laughs> I feel that, that they steal fucking the Nirvana. For, for DDP's theme song, but they can't get, get rowdy. Come on. <laughs> but anyways, speaking of ridiculousness, the next set, I'm not going to go into every single segment on this show, but I just want to note this real quick. They go backstage. Um, okay, so here's the whole deal. So Dusty Rhodes is the uh, director of authority, GM, whatever you want to call him. 
And basically the idea here is he's looking for an assistant. And uh, we got Johnny Fairplay, Trinity, and Tracy. All three of them are, are fighting to be his assistant. And the way they are trying to win that role is by finding clues that Dusty Rhodes has laid out throughout the arena. Uh, I can't even pretend to care about this. Um, this is some silly shit here. What did you think about it? I didn't realize that wrestling and blues clues could go hand in hand. No, just yeah. w- what the absolute fuck is this? <laughs> are, you big, are, you, are you a Survivor fan? <laughs> um, I did watch a bit of Survivor early on. I kind of lost interest, but then I kind of picked it up again when uh, uh, Johnny Nitro, a.k.a. John Morrison, a.k.a. John Impact, yes. a.k.a. Johnny Mundo, was a part of that. So it's one of those shows. I think that it's just, it's like hit and miss sometimes, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I I've, I've watched all the seasons. I like <laughs> binged like the last 10 seasons within a month. Cause they're all on Hulu. Um, but yeah, Johnny Fairplay is from survivor, which is why I bring it up. But even though I know who he is, don't really, uh, see where his role stands in TNA. So, that this was kind of like a common thread throughout the show. They would like keep going back to it. And it's like, who gives a shit about this? <laughs> <laughs> like, where's the fast forward button? I, I'm about to say, does impact plus have a fast forward button or is it just, like, <laughs> Nope, you gotta go through it. I haven't been on impact plus in a while. So it's like, yeah, that, that would be a TNA thing to do is to get rid of the fast forward button. Like, nope. You gotta, you gotta get through this. It's going to make you tougher. It's like, well, I guess it's better than what we see nowadays in WWE. So I guess it's not all that bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, so even though that was ridiculous, we get some good, good shit next. Primetime Elix Skipper versus Sanjay Dutt. Oof, yes. Man, this was... Uh, one thing about this show is that it, there wasn't like that many built-up matches. Um, this match is kind of just, I guess, thrown on to, at the last minute. Because I watched all the impacts leading up to this. Um, and I don't think they ever alluded to this happening, but I don't hate it. I'm not offended that they put this on the show because it was fan fucking tastic. Um, so the, you know, the, I, one thing I also want to mention before I get into the match itself is how great the commentary is in TNA at this point, Don West, Mike Tanay, even for this match that had no buildup, they had so much energy and they put so much effort into acknowledging like why these guys are fighting, which in this case is basically to get up in the rankings in the X division. I think that every time that I turned on a TNA show and I hear Don West and Mike Tanay, it's always one of those things that I know I'm going to be watching something special and it's going to be something that's going to be memorable. And the fact is that they really don't feel like they're being like fed too many lines. I think it's just one of those things where they have like uh-huh. maybe one line or two where it's just like, just like, Oh, should mention this or something like that. But other than that, they're probably just like, just go out there and just, you know, enjoy the matchup, bring up statistics, bring up stuff that, you know, you think would be pertinent to the matchup and something that fans will definitely really appreciate. And I think that's always something that they did because Mike today was always the guy that brought up a lot of those statistics as well as the, you know, fine points of their careers mm-hmm. where Don West definitely added the emotion to the commentary, kind of like with uh, JR and Jerry, the King Lawler, where JR definitely was the passionate one. And Jerry Lawler was there to kind of balance out some of the comedy bits and such like that. So it was kind of like that. Only I think that Mike Tanay did a 
much better job than Jerry Law- Jerry Lawler. Oh no, I'll be the enemy of the internet forever. Oh my. Oh God. no, you're gonna get heat for this. Right? You're gonna get heat. Don't worry, I'll, I'll cut it out to save you. <laughs> no, I'll leave it in. It's fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Don West. I mean, even if you tried to feed him lines, I don't think he would listen. That 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 coked up motherfucker, I think, can make me washing dishes sound exciting. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> Don West, if you're listening to this, I know you weren't coked up. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you know he is. But anyways, <laughs> this match, <laughs> outstanding match. Uh, this really kind of uh, exemplified what the X Division was during this time. It was definitely unique, especially even, even like watching in 2020. Even by these standards, it was an awesome match. And um you know, they, like I said, the commentary put over how, you know, even though this wasn't a built up match, there wasn't much story to it. It's important for the future of the X division and it, the winner might get a, a title shot sometime down the line. And, um, you know, this was kind of, even though it was a, a really good match, it was kind of filler, but I think that's a good thing because in the past their filler matches have been fucking disco inferno or, Johnny be bad or some stupid shit like that. But now their filler is amazing, athletic, awesome matches like this. And um, ultimately primetime gets the win over Sanjay Dutt here. Um, he, like I said, they, the triple X broke up. So we have Daniels and uh, Elix Skipper both breaking out on their own. So good to see Skipper get a win here. Uh, what'd you think about this? I really love the chemistry between Elix Skipper as well as Sanjay Dutt. I also will admit that these are two guys that further down the line would kind of be more enhancement talent for a lot of the mm-hmm. stars. So that's always kind of a shame to see, especially Sanjay Dunn. I have honestly loved his work in the ring. I was so shocked that they did not put him with a X division. Yeah. I give him like an X division title shots or giving him a run until like later on in his career where it's finally like, Oh yeah, we're going overseas. I think the biggest payoff would be putting the X division title on Dunt where for me, it's like, you know, it's awesome to see him finally get that title shot, but he should have deserved it so much sooner. That feud yeah. with uh, him and Jay Lethal, I think would have been the best time to put the belt on him, have like a pretty good run. And ev- eventually, you know, Lethal would be, you know, the conquering hero that would win the X division title. But obviously they did absolutely nothing with that. And they did nothing with the storyline after uh, one of my friends, SoCal Val, turned heel and joined up with Sanjay. I'm literally just like, you could have done something with this. What are you doing? I I blocked all of this out in my mind until you just brought it up right there. Shit, dude. (laughs) Because, yeah, I do remember, you know, Dutt and Lethal having a feud. But, yeah, I I forgot about the SoCal Val stuff. Um. When did they put the title on Dutt? Because I, I I agree, I don't think they, you know, ran with him as much as they should have. I guess it was probably like twenty ten or something like that. It was it was in the last few years. I know that he won the title. I don't remember exactly what, but I just remember them having this was I think still during a bit of that time where they had that whole deal with GW with uh with I uh, it's like GWF GFW oh G. Yeah, it was yeah, Bull Force Wrestling. There we go. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It was kind of during that time, and there was just kind of one of those things where Impact was trying to find their identity until they finally did recently, you know, spot on them for that. I refuse to call them anything except TNA, but just for this case. Same. Um, yeah, it was just one of those things where I was just like, oh, man, they 
could have been something more had you done it sooner. It's like, but we're putting the belts on him now. Now is better than never. It's like, not true. I mean, I like I said, yeah. I got a lot of respect and admiration for Sanjay Dunn. Anytime I saw him in the ring, I'm like, okay, I'm getting something good here. Show me what's up. Exactly. Consistency, I think, is probably the word for Sanjay Dunn. Because even though he might have not have always been at the top, he was always like in the hunt and always uh, performing awesomely in the ring, I think. Oh, yeah. That is... That is the statement of the century when it comes to Sanjay Dutton. Hell yeah. Um, I think he's still with WWE, isn't he? Or did he get furloughed? He is. He is one of the uh, agents, I believe, because I keep seeing him pop up every now and then. I'm like, oh, it's Sanjay. Yes. That's right. Because <laughs> I remember it, it was like Sanjay, Abyss, and Jeff Hardy were like all on screen together, or AJ Styles. It was something like that. And I was yeah. like, man, old school TNA feels right here. Speaking of old school, though, next match, Dustin Rhodes versus Kid Cash. Um, I'm gonna be honest. I expected to hate this match, but it was actually, it, it, it exceeded my expectations. Um, I think it's cause when I think of Dustin Rhodes and TNA, I think of black rain. Oh God. <laughs> you, you remember black rain, right? Oh yeah. That was, uh, that was one of those things where it's like, Dustin, we love you, buddy. But, um, we need to talk about this, uh, emo phase that you're going through. <laughs> yeah. Pretty cool theme song though. Right. Uh, Okay, I'll admit that. But one thing doesn't make up for the rest of the package. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, but yeah, Dustin Rhodes here, I think, is still um, you know, hitting on uh, a lot of cylinders. Maybe not all cylinders, but still uh, looking pretty good in the ring. Kind of reminiscent of his like er- early WCW days. Um, I, don't, I don't remember if they actually called him the natural here. Um, but that's essentially what his gimmick was. And um, Kid Cash... Kid Cash is a guy like I don't know. I just can't get behind. He's like he's like a Jeff Jarrett for me. There's something about him that I just don't like. But I think that's the idea, maybe. Mm, po- possibly. I remember him having kind of like a stellar, okay run in WWE when he was the cruiserweight champion. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, other than that, he was just kind of like the guy that leaped off of the top rope in in ECW and yeah. Just- about it. So, That's literally yeah. what I think of every time I hear his name. It's one of those things where we just see this matchup and it's like, well, at least he's, you know, putting on a good show for Dustin, at least. Uh, I just, I think that this was one where I was expecting maybe a little bit more, but at the same time, this is also still during the time where I think Dustin is just still kind of trying to figure out who he is, where he's going to go. Mm-hmm. He's probably like bouncing between here and WWE as gold dust. So, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, are you going to be natural? Are you going to be gold dust? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? What's what, what, what you going to do, bud? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's good to know that he came out on the other side out of all this. And you know, today in 2020, he's arguably putting on the best work of his career. Definitely. Oh my gosh. The fact that he can do a Canadian destroyer is impressive. <laughs> Pop for it every time. But uh, yeah, this match, like I said, it was solid. I mean, it was pretty much kid cash working on the leg of Dustin, um, but really great selling by uh, Dustin Rhodes here. And I think that added to the match a lot. And I think it's a lost art, especially nowadays. Um, but yeah, ultimately, surprisingly, Dustin gets the win with a bulldog out of nowhere. Um, so pretty solid match, but it's one of those things where I wonder what their end game is with Dustin. Like, do they see him kind of being a mainstay there, does he is he gonna be like at the top of the card? You, know, you could kind of say the same with, with three three live crew winning earlier. Like they're kind of giving the rubs to these older guys 
And I'm not really sure if that's the uh, the path that they should have taken at this point. What do you think? Honestly, it is one of those things where you watch it and yeah, it is kind of one of those situations where you think, is he going to, you know, maybe pursue the title? Is he just going to be there as kind of like enhancement talent? Is he just not really sure where he's going with this? Obviously nowadays he's definitely more defined, but this is kind of one of those things where it's like, where are you going with your career here? Are you just here to beat down on Kid Cash? Because apparently nobody likes Kid Cash. Why Why everybody yeah. hitting on Kid Cash? <laughs> Fuck Kid Cash. <laughs> <laughs> you will not be a Kid Cash fan and be on this podcast. He's like me with me. I'm not I'm not full on board with him, but I'm not like gonna hate him. Yeah, yeah. Indifference is kind of what he brings on a lot, unfortunately. But yeah. uh man, speaking of directionless. Next match, we have Eric Watts versus Raven. Oh, boy. <laughs> Indeed. Um, yeah, man. So this whole, the whole storyline here is really, like, overly contrived, in my opinion. It's like Raven kind of – so Eric Watts and DDP were friends, but then Raven got in Watts' head, and he kind of, like, kind of coerced him to be, like, his – in his faction or whatever. whatever I don't know. Um, but then Eric Watts, you know, saw through it and, uh, turned on Raven. And this all, all happens in like three weeks, by the way. Um, so it's just like, it's, I don't know. It's, it's silly. Um, Eric Watts, as we mentioned before is Bill Watts son. Um, and obviously Raven is a very established name, um, across all different kinds of wrestling promotions. And, um, the match was what it was. It was fu- It was pretty good at the beginning. But towards the end, they tried to get a little too technical with it, I think. Um, I think this match would have uh, done better had they kind of stayed to the outside, kind of brawling type of style. Because um, the match, at, at the end, it got really clunky and awkward. And um, I don't even fucking remember who won. Eric Watts won this match, right? Yeah, he won with the choke slam, I believe it was. But yeah, yeah, yeah. to kind of add on to this, it's really weird because I was almost convinced that they were just going to make it seem like, oh, well, I guess there's no disqualification in this match because they kept trying to introduce a chair into this scenario. It's like, mm-hmm. why? There's, it, Are we missing something in this matchup? Is there some kind of reason for that? But it is kind of one of those things where Raven, he is an ECW guy. He definitely does thrive on the whole hardcore aspect of it. Uh, whenever we see like a Raven's like clockwork match, that's always going to be amazing. Um mm-hmm when we see him do like monsters ball with abyss or something like that, Hey, that's going to be another good deal too. But this is one of those matches where it's like, Oh, it's a regular matchup. It's like, uh, you're probably not going to see the best of Raven in this matchup. This was a good example of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think Raven goes on to have a good amount of success in TNA. I did, correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't he win the, the world title at some point? I think he was the world champion before this event. Cause I remember he, replaced Jarrett in a King of the Mountain matchup and uh-huh. won the title. And then eventually Jeff Jarrett won it back, which, oh boy, that's that's a conversation in and of itself. Jeez. Oh, we'll, we'll get into some Jeff Jarrett yeah. later. Don't you worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Raven is one of those guys where he, I think he, you know, he does the he does the beat to his own drum deal. He is not one of those guys, you know. It, it's that's difficult to work with, but also it's just one of those guys where it's like he's got a different kind of vibe to him that a lot of people probably are not going to be fully on board with. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I agree. And personally, I never really watched ECW. 
Um, I've seen a few matches here and there, but um, for me, Raven, I think, because uh, I've seen a lot of the stuff that he's done with like, like CM Punk and ROH, um, stuff that he did in the hardcore division and WWF. I think I've brought this match up like six or seven times. People are probably getting tired of me bringing it up, but the match at Backlash 2001 he had with uh, Rhino is one of my favorite matches of all time. And it's literally like a 10 minute match. Um, but I think it's, it was so good because it was like a car crash, but it was like controlled. And I think Raven when when he, when he's on, he's on, he's, he's able to tell a story in there and he's able to have a really good match. But this match with Eric Watts was, uh, was not that. Yeah, no, this was one of those matches where we started seeing that downward spiral kind of happening where it's like, Oh my gosh, this is not going to end. Well, it's like, yeah, this matchup just is not, I think less said about it, the better it's like Raven. Watts, chokeslam, done. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's another thing. This match dragged on much longer than it should have. But, uh, you know, you have some good with the X Division, and then you have this. So it's balance, <laughs> I guess. Um, but, man, after this, you thought that was something. Now we got some Scott Hall versus Jeff Hardy. Jeez, talk about a mercy kill with this matchup. <laughs> but don't worry. Don't worry. We have a special ref, a special troubleshooting referee, Ooh. Roddy Piper. Now, whatever you, your thoughts on this match are, if you haven't seen this match, it was worse than that. Um, <laughs> like if you would have had like, I don't know, 1995 Scott Hall versus 2006 Jeff Hardy. This would have been a good match, but uh, 2005 was not the time for these guys <laughs> to have a match. Um, it was uh, it was kind of a let up, I guess, kind of a, a break in the action because it was it was pretty much a comedy match. Um, initially, this match was actually supposed to be Scott Hall versus uh, Hector Garza. Um, but I believe Garza had got an injury the week before, so he had to be replaced by Jeff Hardy. And um, so that gives us this match. And to set the tone for this match, Scott Hall comes out as Elvis because uh, he's in a little faction called the Kings of Wrestling. Oh, Do you get it? Do you get it? <laughs> oh, my gosh. They're, this was so painfully obvious. I actually forgot about that faction until he came out to them. Like, oh, that's right. Oh, legendary. Legendary faction. I put them right up there with X Factor. <laughs> <laughs> All I was missing was a little bit of X-Pac. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little Uncle Cracker on the, on the speakers. But uh, fuck, man. But, yes, yeah, so Scott Hall comes out. And, you know, he comes out as Elvis. And that really is like... Okay, is he taking TNA seriously? Because it's like, okay, yeah, if you get, you have the opportunity to bring Scott Hall in, you're you're gonna take it. Like he's a huge name, um, pretty fresh off the heels of w, of WCW at this point, so he's still a big name in wrestling. But with that, you you bring him you bring him in, and he's clearly not taking it seriously. Kevin Nash is doing the same shit, um, and then this match itself, it was like Roddy Piper, who was the ref, is like checking. You know, he's doing the, thing, the pre-match stuff where he's like checking their boots and their their tights or whatever for foreign objects. And Piper like finds uh what does he find? He finds a comb on Hall. He finds a fork, a chain, like all in his Elvis getup. And then Don West with one of the best lines of the night. He's like, "Oh, Scott Hall getting frisked. Uh, th- I bet that's familiar." <laughs> like Jesus, Donnie, easy. <laughs> Um, and then <laughs> Scott Hall then, then 
searches Piper and does he finds handcuffs or something. Um, and then the match is like three minutes and then fucking Scott Hall finds some brass knucks from under the turnbuckle. Ah, Piper didn't think to check that. Uh, and then Piper tries to stop him uh, and he pokes Scott Hall in the eye and Scott Hall walks into a twist of fate and then a swanton. Jeff Hardy gets the win. And uh, yeah, what'd you think of it? Oh man, this was another one of those matches where it's like, Less said, the better. I mean, yeah. the the most action that was getting out of this was the Elvis attire from Scott Hall. That was the most memorable part of this deal. Right. <laughs> this was just really, really weird deal where, again, like you said, Scott Hall, he's not exactly taking this too seriously, or maybe he is, and just it's a weird mindset. That Misguided. Who the hell knows when it comes to this situation? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a weird time. We're, we're dealing with two guys who literally have had trouble with, you know, alcohol as well as drug abuse. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, oh, this is uh, this is a lot darker and a lot more uh, rough when you think about how these guys are going to end yeah. up in the next few years. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a, weird, it's a weird time in all their lives, I think, at this oh, point. Gosh, yeah. But yeah, the match itself, nothing really too memorable. We get to see a classic Piper deal. Jeff Hardy wins. Although I will say that even the post-match deal was so much more memorable, but that's also because mm-hmm. we got Chris Parks coming in, AKA Abyss, who just, I will say this, the, I, I also loved Don Westlake reaction at the end of this, because he goes from like zero to a hundred in a matter of <laughs> two sentences, be like, well, here comes the monster Abyss. It's like, what is he doing? He's not going to I'm just like, whoa, Don, what's up, buddy? Just, Unhinged on West, my he favorite. He's caffeine pill and he's ready to go again. So. <laughs> just injected something. and <laughs> Yeah, Jeff gets the shock tr- treatment as well as the black hole slam, which, oh my gosh, I, I love how Abyss just throws people around with that move it's just an absolutely brutal move when he does beautiful. it just absolutely beautiful especially if it's like one person who loves to just oversell it and make it look like he just got folded up like an accordion that's just aka weird. jeff hardy yeah right <laughs> <laughs> oh man more abyss please <laughs> dude i love abyss and i guess i forget uh I don't, I don't really know what happens after this but it seemed like they're kind of setting him up for uh as a like as a major contender for the title maybe or at least uh, a feud oh, with jeff hardy yeah it was one of those things where they said like oh jeff hardy is the number one contender because this win it's like this just came out of nowhere okay i'm sure scott <laughs> I totally hall forgot taken, about that yeah <laughs> i'm sure scott hall would have taken this matchup more seriously had he known there was a number one contendership spot on oh the- man <laughs> <laughs> that's what tna needs scott hall as world champion oh my gosh hey that would have been pro- probably better than you know insert you know who in this 16 times yes <laughs> um but yeah man yeah abyss like, like you said that's probably the best part of this match because I, that brings us that uh i think that's what brings us that legendary spot where jeff hardy does a swanton like off the stage do you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah maybe that's later i'm not really sure what that is on the timeline but always good to see abyss um, he didn't have an actual match on this show, but Abyss is definitely like a one a, a big diamond, and I don't, don't want to say it's a diamond in the rough because there's a lot of good guys on the roster, but <laughs> definitely, a, definitely, a, there, there's a lot of rough though. There's a lot of diamonds, and there's a lot of rough. Is that a saying? I, I was I was gonna 
say, well, it should be a saying now, first of all. Secondly, I was going to say, I don't think that we can really say that because Diamond and the Roughs would be a t- faction that Ilk Skipper, ironically enough, would be a part of later on. Really now? Yeah. I wonder why that didn't take off. <laughs> Gee, I wonder. Head scratch. <laughs> I think he just went back. He actually just recreated Triple X with Loki later on, I believe. Yeah, no, they, they did bring that back for the nostalgia. And I remember just thinking like, ooh, Triple X, this will be fun. And they did nothing with him. It's like, Oh, triple X. Great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but man, after this, we have a little triple threat action. Monty Brown versus DDP versus Kevin Nash. What a cast of characters here. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> so, but the backstory here, because this is some TNA shit, some TNA overbooking shit. So this is a triple threat match. And the winner of this match gets a shot at the NWA title against Jeff Jarrett later in the show. And as I said, I watched all the impacts leading up to this. And they really were heavy on building up Kevin Nash versus Jeff Jarrett. Because we mentioned before the Kings of Wrestling. That was was a faction of Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Jeff Jarrett. Or as I like to put it, uh, watered down NWO. And it was like... um, yeah, they're, they're building like, oh, there, there's tension between Nash and Jarrett. And they d- even did it like throughout the show and after this match. And then, but Monty Brown ends up getting the win here in this triple threat, which first of all, I'm glad I'm a huge Monty Brown mark. Um, but yeah, it was just a really weirdly booked match. And by the way, they also mentioned as this match started that because it's a, tri- it's, a it's an elimination triple threat match, I, sh- I should mention. And apparently, you can get eliminated by getting thrown over the top rope. Yeah, what the hell was that? I was they, didn't, what? <laughs> they didn't once mention that on Impact. They didn't once mention that earlier in the show. The, the bell rings. Like, oh, by the way. random elimination deal. <laughs> I don't even know if they even mentioned it. It's like, oh, it's a triple threat elimination. It's like, let us know how we can get elim- eliminated. Over the top rope. What? I, about the, what? <laughs> you can also <laughs> yeah, you, pinfall or submission. What? <laughs> it was like, you know, Kevin Nash is like, what? I'm not winning this match. Oh, I'm not, I'm not putting this guy over. <laughs> well, you know something I just, Oh gosh, I'm going to tear my quad again. So let me just, let me just get <laughs> thrown over the top rope. Let's just call that good. That way. I'm not bumping for wrong. TNA. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the match is, it was pretty short. Thankfully, um, like I said, Monty Brown gets the win after Nash gets thrown over the top rope and DDP gets the, the pounce. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, <clears throat> almost lost my voice there, but yeah, Monty Brown gets the win. <laughs> I don't know, man. What are your thoughts on this match? Uh, I could have took it, took it or left it. It's one of those things where I, if it would have been earlier on in the show, probably would have gotten more build to the main event because literally the next two matches are like the highlights of this show. Yeah, um, exactly. I I loved Monty Brown uh, when when watching him because he definitely was one of those guys you just watched and you thought, oh, he's going to be like a major athlete. He's going to be a major, you know, contender. Something like that. It's like, yo, he he'll do good. He's definitely going to make it somehow. But then. Uh, yeah, no, they they literally did like nothing with him. He was kind of like the enhancement guy of like, oh, come on, give, give us a yeah. moment. They brought him into ECW when they rebooted it. Marcus Corvon. Oh, my gosh. It was one of those things where like, well, hey, maybe he's going to do something great. First thing he does is his finisher's an arm bar. What? No. <laughs> he, 
I accept only the pounds. That is the only thing I will accept. What about the alpha bob? Okay, that's a secondary acceptance deal, but a freaking yeah, yeah. leg sweep into an arm bar. Come on, man. Just no. That was I think he still did the pounce, but I think it was more of like a setup into that arm bar. Yeah. I, I will say this that one of the best pound cells is still the one that Sabu. he did to Sabu where he just yes. sends him flying. Like, <laughs> yes, this is the move I want to see on my TV more. I want to see people just flying in the air, end up like Spike Duddy just crowd surfing. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just see somebody explode in the ring because Monty Brown is a guy who can literally just tackle you and push you all the way into the cheap seats. Exactly. You don't need to sell for him. He he will shoot you into the moon. <laughs> I'm surprised we didn't get that with Sabu. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I man, Monty Brown, he's like one of my favorites. He was such a star during this time. Um, and like, like I said, he won this match, so he was going to get a world title shot. I guess we'll get more into Monty Brown later. Um, with some Jeff Jarrett bullshit. God damn it. Fucking Jeff <laughs> um, I'm going to hold off. I'm going to hold off. Nope. We're good. No, man. We're, we're, we keep we it got, down. We keep it down. We, we got we got two di- diamonds before we reach that part because oh man, let's talk Sweat about this up. next matchup. Oh, all right. Let's get let's, let's talk about some good wrestling first. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yes, the next match. Holy shit, this match. Um, the NWA Tag Team Championship, America's Most Wanted versus Team Canada. Uh, so James Storm, Chris Harris versus Bobby Roode and Eric Young. So once again, a little foreshadowing to a future tag team and beer money here. Um, I think these guys wrestled a lot, you know, with these teams. So it's it's it makes sense considering you know their chemistry later on. I'm sure a lot of that was built in this feud here. Um, but yeah, man, this match is awesome. It was a lot of great false finishes. Um, you have Scott Demore getting involved and ultimately getting handcuffed to the the ringside. Um, Johnny Devine interfering with a hockey stick because Canada. Um, (laughs) 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 Hey guys, do you get it? He's Canadian. We're going to wrap a Canadian flag around a hockey stick because he's Canadian. Do you get it? Only thing was missing was a pair of skates for him to just be gliding in the ring with. (laughs) Hit him with a bag of milk. (laughs) Um, but yeah, you know, that aside, this match is amazing. Um, the tag division along with the X division are like the bread and butter of TNA during this point. And like I said, nobody else is offering tag team wrestling at this caliber during this time. So I thought this match was awesome. What about you? Oh my gosh. I think that this matchup would have been my match of the night had it not been for the next match. Um, the chemistry that can team Canada and AMW have is just amazing i mean they're coming off of their tag team title match between them and triple x uh from Mm -hmm. the previous show so it's kind of those things where i was like well they kind of got a bit to prove to see if they're you know the best team and then they go out there and they kill it with team canada who ironically enough they would actually pair them up together to to create a team jared okay we're not going to talk too much into that (laughs) i would have also loved if they would have just done a deal where the two teams would have just been like at each other's throats being like you want us to work together with them uh yeah oh because these guys have taken us to our limits why would we want to do do that is there a mutual respect there probably not because right i still have the mark from that canadian stick a eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah man awesome stuff here i think i i've always underestimated how big amw was because like i said i didn't start watching until like the tail end of their run 
I think, but it's crazy to see how hot this team was. Like with that cage match, with this match, man, they were like arguably the biggest names they had in TNA at this point, I think. Oh, yeah. Honestly, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm dying for at least one final run with America's Most Wanted. Just let them be them. Let them just kill it on the independent scene. Let them kill it in WWE Impact. Where the hell we want to put put them? Just let them have one more run as tag team champions because, my God, those guys killed it. And even just for kicks and giggles, throw Gil Kim in there just to complete the set. (laughs) I am all... For having uh, James Storm and Braden Walker reuniting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. The the most underrated superstar in all of ECW and WWE, Braden Walker. (laughs) (laughs) Knock, knock. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, like I said, awesome match here. Um, Look forward to see what these teams do in the future. Um, But man, like you said, that would have been the match of the night on any other show. But Ultimate X. For the X Division Championship, we have uh, the champion, Petey Williams, versus AJ Styles, versus Chris Sabin. Who doggy? Um, man, so I, for full disclosure, I actually watched the show like a few weeks ago. Um, but I made time this morning to rewatch this match because it was so incredible. Um it was like, it's one of those things where, yeah, there's high flying, there's crazy spots and all that and all that stuff. But there's also selling. There's also storytelling. There's also logic involved, which is what put TNA above what anybody else was doing back then and arguably even today. Because um, ultimately, these guys were trying to win the match. Like, they weren't like just setting up these crazy spots for the sake of spots. They were like... You know, like AJ Styles, he would be going for a phenomenal forearm on the Chris Saban. But instead of doing that, he like springboards up and tries to like grab the cable. Um, and then later on, he's like climbing the cable, but, it, but his arm's been worked on during the match. So he just falls like by himself because he can't hold himself up. Um, you have Scott Demore getting involved. You have the Canadian, the original Canadian destroyer used as a legitimately devastating move. Um you know, Chris Saban is one of the most underrated wrestlers of all time, I believe. He more than held his own with these guys. Um, but yeah, ultimately, the end of this match comes when uh, Chris Saban and Petey Williams are both like climbing the wires towards the middle to grab the belt. And then AJ Styles springboards off the ropes to the center of the ring, knocks the title off the, the cables, and then grabs the title for the win. Really, really cool out of nowhere finish to this match, I think. And putting the belt back on AJ and really sending the X Division to the moon right here. Um, yeah, awesome match. What do you think? There have been people that have said that this is the greatest Ultimate X match ever. It's one of those matches that I highly agree with that statement because yeah. of the fact that they did everything, like you said, from the selling to the storytelling to everything from the this is definitely what an ultimate X match should be. And there's so many highlights from this matchup itself self that they show it every time they're like ultimate X, the ultimate endurance and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And the first thing you remember from ultimate X now is that spot where AJ styles literally gets flipped and he lands in the ring. Yes. Oh, that's what was so 
damn brutal. And also, AJ, props to him for being able to sell that arm injury as well as hit a Styles Clash with one arm. My God, just continue to be amazing. But also you have Chris Saban, Petey Williams. These two guys were already X Division stars. They just were just icing on the cake for that. And the finish itself, I enjoyed it. I think it was definitely one of those things where they're showcasing how much that X Division title has prestige in the business, mm-hmm. and they definitely put their bodies and their livelihoods on the line. I'm honestly surprised that AJ Styles is still able to go after su- coming to this kind oh, of yeah. punishment in a match, but it also made him a stronger athlete, and it made him into one of the best wrestlers ever, bar none. Yeah, absolutely, and obviously AJ would like evolve his style over the years. He's not, you know, if you watch him on SmackDown on Friday, you're not going to see the same AJ Styles you see, you see in this match. Um, but man, I just forget, you forget how smooth AJ Styles was back then. Chris Saban and Petey Williams as well. All of these guys were like, even by today's standards, cause we see all a bunch of crazy shit and flips and all that, all that stuff today. But even by today's standards, the, the stuff they were able to pull off in this match was incredible. Yeah. I like, 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 like I said, this was my favorite matchup of the entire show. These guys killed it. It's one of those things where it's like, if this would have been the main event, they probably would have been like, yeah, there's no way anybody's topping this throughout the entire yeah. day. But sadly, that's not the main event that we got. Well, you don't, you don't think uh, the next match topped it? I, it would No, no. I don't know. We could kind of, you know, compare and contrast. I think, I think it has a shot. Yeah. Here's my compare and contrast. Uh, Monty, Monty Brown. Yay. Jeff Jarrett. Crap. <laughs> That's where we should end the show. That's For those of you that don't know the backstory behind this, Jeff Jarrett has been one of those guys who's been like the Triple H of TNA. He's mm-hmm. the guy who just literally puts the belt on himself because it helps, quote unquote, elevating talent. Sometimes that works out. Other times it's just like, okay, we've seen Jeff Jarrett hold that championship so many times. Can we move on to something else, please? And thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was um, – so like we mentioned earlier, the triple threat match that Monty Brown won led to this match. Um, I mean, I guess it's better than having Jarrett versus DDP or Jarrett versus Nash. I would have taken – If we're looking for a silver lining. I would have taken that in a heartbeat. <laughs> but um, yeah, Jarrett versus Nash would have been one of those things where it's like, okay, uh, I'm giving about five minutes before Kevin Nash wrecks one of his quads again. Exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah, the match itself, it was very like, you know, overbooked kind of attitude era esque style, a lot of fighting in the crowd. Like, uh, you mentioned earlier, it was like the Raven Eric Watts match. They were bringing in weapons, even though they never mentioned anything about this match being no disqualification or anything. And, uh, that's what we saw in this match too. A lot of chair shots, guitar shots, but it's like, sometimes the ref would have to be distracted for Jarrett to hit him with a guitar, but sometimes they would just hit each other with, I don't know. It was very inconsistent, silly. Um, but yeah, man, the, the, the finish comes with, uh, I kind of like the finish actually. Jeff Jarrett hits three strokes onto Monty Brown and like a low blow in between. So they, they definitely kept Monty Brown looking strong, but I mean, you, ha- you have to put the belt on the alpha male here. I mean, there's nobody hotter as far as like in, in that heavyweight division than Monty Brown at this point. But uh, yeah, thoughts? 
Yeah, this would have been the time to give Monty Brown the strap. This would have been the time to give him a run. It could have been a brief run, but at least we could have gotten like an ultimate payoff where it's like, hey, it's a different direction. We got somebody who is, you know, strong and just absolutely dominant who can really kill it in the ring. But no, Jeff is just like, I think I just want to hold on to this belt just a little bit longer. We're just like, oh, damn it. Taking TNA to the moon. No, no, Monty Brown's going to take TNA to the moon. He just needs to pounce the name TNA and it'll go straight to the moon. Yes, <laughs> please. Yeah, TNA is succeeding in spite of Jeff Jarrett. Um, or despite, in spite, well, I don't know. But um, Word, <laughs> yeah, words, so, words, words. Uh, but yeah, the match was what it was. Jeff Jarrett gets the win here and his reign of terror continues. So it was very... um. I don't know what's the anticlimactic end to the show, but it definitely was not one of the better matches on the show, closing it out. But um, yeah, I don't. I think Monty Brown, this is pretty much his peak, if I remember correctly, because I don't remember him getting too many title shots after this. I could be wrong, though. I remember he had one title shot with Christian Cage when he was the champion. That's right, yeah. Then after that, but in between that, it was just like eh, he was trying to get it. He was trying to be the number one contender and Jeff Jarrett is kind of like, uh, yeah, you'll get a tile shot when you do that, when you do this and you do that, but it's like, Oh great. He's going to be one of those meatheads for Jeff Jarrett to boss around. Great. Just awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funny story real quick. I actually, when I was looking for people to do this episode with me, I actually found Monty Brown's Twitter and his DMs are wide open, by the way. Oh, and uh, I was like, I'll shoot my shot and see what happens. He, he, it doesn't seem like he's on Twitter a lot. Um, but I was like, hey, Mane, you were, uh, you were red hot during this time. You want to you wanna do this commentary with me? And uh, he didn't respond. But um, <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll settle for this fucking Nathan Mark, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's better than nobody. So. <laughs> <laughs> jokes, jokes, jokes. But uh yeah, man. So that pretty much brings the close to the show. Um, overall, a really good pay-per-view. There's definitely some bumps in the road, um, but I really had fun watching this. It's always good to go back in time and watch these shows because as you mentioned at the beginning, TNA was such a fun company to watch, especially during this time, and especially when the X Division is starting to get uh, some momentum behind it. So um, I thought it was a pretty good show. Um yeah, I don't know. If you had to give it a rating out of 10, what, what do you think you'd give it? Um, I think that there were some really good matches that definitely helped this pay-per-view, and then there were some that obviously hurt it. I mean, we kind of mentioned the deal. Uh, the main event definitely kind of watered down some of that momentum that they had, especially following up the uh, tag match as well as Ultimate X. Overall, though, I would give this probably like a – I'd probably give it like a 7.5. Very Mostly those stars are coming, those points are coming from the X Division title match and the tag team title matchup. But, you know, obviously some of the things that watered it down were the, you know, Watson Cash and the number one contendership match and also the mm-hmm. amazing main event that we just had to see because, hey, there's going to be a new champion. Nope. Jeff Jarrett's just like, nah, I'm just going to keep holding this. <laughs> yep. Yep. Cody Rhodes beat Monty Brown and then, I'm sorry, Jeff Jarrett. Um, <laughs> I always, I don't know how you feel about AEW, um, but whenever I see Cody Rhodes, I'm like, oh, here's Jeff Jarrett 2.0. <laughs> for for me, it's one of those th- things where I am very fond and I like AEW, but that's mainly because compared to something like WWE, I feel like AEW 
shows appreciation to their fans, even though they don't always give us what we want, they at least show their appreciation. And you definitely see that in like the meet and greets, the start casts and stuff such like that, because those shows are just absolutely fun. Uh, the people that they bring are always great. I've never really had a bad interaction with anybody at AEW. And funny enough, I did actually get the chance to ask uh, Cody a question when, during one of his StarCast sit-down panels. So it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, he answered it. He, I mean, it was one of those things where I loved talking to Cody because the fact is that when he's on stage, he's looking directly at you, and it feels like you're the only two in the room. And it's good that some people have that kind of attention to detail, but also – show that, hey, my focus is on you and what you had to say. And he te- he shoots it like it is. That's one of the things I yeah. like about him. Yeah, definitely. For one of the best promos in the game, oh, for sure. Definitely. So maybe, maybe calling him Jeff Jarrett is a bit of a uh, bit of an insult. Hey, if he but, was uh, Jeff Jarrett, then he would have been the world champion by now. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want to make it two on the nose, so he created an, another title and, and just took that one. Well, it was also a very, pretty short reign, and plus, arguably, had one of the most... Uh, best sells of his entire t- title run where he literally said, Hey, Brody Lee, you want to just beat the crap out of me? And he's like, okay, <laughs> let's just, let's just see what happens. And literally people are like, uh, wow. So he beats everybody else, but Brody Lee comes in and he's going to lose to, Oh, that's, that's new. They make Brody Lee look strong. Okay. I'm, I'm that was, yeah. 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 They did. They did a great job with that, but that sounds like an entirely different podcast into yeah. itself. <laughs> we can get really in the weeds with that, but, uh, um, but yeah, man, yeah, I, I would agree with you. 7.5 or so. Cause I think they didn't have too much junk, like after one after the other, like if you had some junk, you would have like something really good after it or before it. Um, so I think the show flowed really well. And I think the crowd energy was, uh, really good throughout the entire, uh, the entire night, which I think definitely helped the show out. I probably would have given it eight, eight points. Had we not gotten that blues clue segment in there. <laughs> I'm trying to forget about it and you keep bringing it up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, that's pretty much all I got. Do you have any other thoughts on the show? Honestly, it's no, it's one of those shows where, you know, it's fun to look back and just see how far they've come since then. I enjoyed it. I thought it was really great. It's one of those shows that again, creates stars and it definitely does show you that there are good sides as well as bad sides to professional wrestling. But mm-hmm. sometimes there are worse things than really, really dumb things that happen nowadays, which we don't need to get into that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even the dumb stuff, it's like car crash dumb a lot of times. So it's still entertaining to watch. Right, in that exactly. Sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, dude, thanks for coming on once again. Um, did you have anything you wanted to promote? Uh, definitely for anybody that wants to listen into some more of my quips as well as banter, you can check me out on Wrestle Attic Radio, which our Twitter is at underscore at attic underscore wrestle. Or you can follow me personally on my Twitter feed, which is at real F and game. I am a co-host of the Game Changer podcast with Mr. Fretz from Canada. So shout out to Mr. Fretz because we do mention some famous Canadians in the show. Uh Definitely check us out on our feeds. Definitely check us out on so many different podcasting formats. Uh, other than that, yeah, I have an Instagram, which is just uh, Nate Effing Great, that I just posted up a couple things from the ECW show that I went to. Uh, coming up, we got a couple of shows that are going to be like spooky filled for the Game Changer podcast, which we'll be reviewing Ready to Rumble, which is already a horror movie in and of itself. Oh, shit. Hell yeah. <laughs> Goat but, uh, movie. But uh, yeah, that's all I got. 
Awesome, man. Well, uh, yeah, I'll put all that information in the description as well. Um, other than that, yeah, man, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Once again, thank you to Sir Nathan from the Game Changer Podcast and Wrestle Addict Radio. Really, really fun time talking about TNA Final Resolution 2005. Um, definitely a show worth watching if you haven't watched it in a long time or at all. Um, if nothing else for the X, uh, Ultimate X match, the tag match, and fuck it, watch Monty Brown because he's fantastic. So, yeah, man, I think that about does it. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening to The Apron Bump. I've been having so much fun in the past month or so. I think I, I think we're really finding a groove here. I think I've had some really good guests, um, and today was no different. So once again, check out all of Nathan's information in the description, and also check out apronbump.com. Uh, follow me on all social medias. I'm a hoot and a holler on all of it. Um, <laughs> at least I think so, but... Make sure to subscribe. Uh, later this month, we will have some WCW. We'll have some progress. And we'll have some invasion. That's all I'm going to tell you for now. But, I mean, if you could, you can fucking see my podcast episodes. And I'm going in chronological order, so it's not exactly a mystery. But, <laughs> yeah, make sure to subscribe. Got some good stuff coming for you guys this month. And, uh... Yeah, suck each other's dicks and kiss your mom on the lips. I'm hard.